0: Welcome to Canada Reimagined. I'm Patrick Esmond White. This episode, The Green Mirage. What we're all looking for is green, carbon free energy for the entire planet. But I want to focus on a much narrower target. What will work in Canada's north? What we will discover, spoiler alert, is that we have only one logical option and it's not what you expect. Solar power tops most lists of green energy. The cost of solar panels has dropped dramatically. Of course, most panels are made in China, an unreliable trade partner with a horrible record on human rights, pros and cons on solar. Solar power is great for the two-thirds of the world's population who live in sunny climes. It can be used for single homes or in large arrays, yes, It makes sense to build massive solar farms in desert locations to sell electricity to Asia, Europe, Japan, and the United States. But solar panels need sunshine all year round and a way to store and distribute the energy. Some northern Canadian communities are installing solar panels, but the energy is minimal. Take Bay as an example. It's an Anishinabe community of 1,300, located several hundred kilometres north of Thunder Bay, Ontario. This is really the near north, 4,500 kilometres from the North Pole. They installed a $9 million solar array that'll replace a quarter of the diesel running the community generators, or about 130,000 litres. It's great, especially in the summer. It's quieter, and that's no small matter. It's cleaner. It's expensive for what you get, but it's no good for transportation. Then in Saskatchewan, the Cowessess First Nations $21 million Iwessess Solar Project will power some 2,500 homes. But as a solution throughout the North, close, but no cigar. Wind is another favorite. Windmills, however, harm birds, bats, and local ecosystems. One weird story... They can even affect local weather. Large windmill arrays have been seen to trigger lightning storms. This said, the cost of windmills is dropping. And where winds are reliable, offshore wind farms, for example, are expanding rapidly. In Europe, wind now delivers huge amounts of power. Newfoundland is planning a big wind project. They'll use the energy to produce hydrogen and sell it to Europe. Skeptics might point out that all these projects will eventually have to decommission those windmills when they get too old. It's like all the Alberta oil wells that were abandoned, orphaned, but still pose an environmental problem. But let's not be skeptics. Wind works. So yes, Canada does have major wind power potential. Yes, wind can contribute to the electric grid and it can be used to produce hydrogen. But it's not perfect. Windmills can be built in some locations up north. They might power a community or home. Wind requires a backup system, a generator, or batteries. At its best, wind will not deliver the huge amounts of energy needed in the north. Hydroelectricity is another promising green energy source for remote communities. Canada already has lots of hydro. Vancouver gets most of its power from hydro. But B.C. hydro dams and excessive logging are equal culprits in a dramatic decline in fish stocks. It'll get worse. In northern British Columbia, the C dam on the Peace River is past the point of no return with a price tag of $16 billion. It'll be ecologically devastating, and it is hugely expensive. The NDP government knows this and wanted to cancel the project, but it had, as I say, passed the point of no return. Quebec gets most of its electricity from hydro. In the mid-1970s, the separatist leader René Lévesque nationalized Quebec Hydro and built the James Bay Project. His tactics were described as, quote, overt greed backed by raw power. He forced an agreement on the Cree and Inuit. Yes, they got money, but at a cost. Massive regions were flooded, entire ecosystems were destroyed. History is now being repeated in Muskrat Falls in Labrador, where new hydro projects are being built over the heated objections of the indigenous community. These dams, too, will destroy fish and other wildlife, especially migratory species like salmon. As ever, money trumps ecology. In fact, damage from hydroelectricity is a global problem, not just Canadian. Mega dams are being built on the Nile, the Mekong, and the Yangtze. These, without exception, will create ecological catastrophes and set the stage for geopolitical conflict over water shortages. Clean water, of course, is like gold. Look even closer at the water shortages in the Colorado River and the battle for water rights in the American West. Water wars are already underway everywhere. Expect more. Still, hydro projects in the north will not solve the energy problem, even if rare communities are exceptions to the rule. And don't forget, there is no electric grid throughout the region. Of course, hydro projects need not be massive. Microhydroelectric technology can power single homes. Hydroelectricity at a modest scale absolutely works in some northern communities, but not most. For most communities, and in particular for mining operations where significant energy is needed for a few decades only, hydro simply doesn't do it. Another green choice is biofuel. Biomass energy comes from processing plants, forestry byproducts, even garbage. Wood in a fireplace is a crude biofuel. Biomass is considered carbon neutral because plants capture carbon as they grow before releasing it later as pollution. Still, the point to remember is that biomass cannot power the north. This is not a region where biomass is abundant. How about heat pumps, the latest range? A heat pump of one form or another can heat a building or two, so, where it makes sense, they're an efficient option for heating, but they don't generate electricity, they use it. Some heat pumps are efficient in temperatures as low as minus 30 degrees centigrade, however, they're expensive and always need a backup for when it gets really cold, when you really need it. Then, take it up a step and consider geothermal energy, that is, heat from far underground. A Saskatchewan company has tapped into old oil and gas wells to capture geothermal heat from three kilometers underground. The economics of this energy is unclear. Still, a lot of investment is going into this technology, mostly from parts of the oil industry trying to leverage their knowledge and investments. Again, some heat, no electricity, no big deal. The real geothermal is further under the Earth's crust, which is often miles thick, way too deep for drilling. Check out a map of the crust and you'll see how rare it is to find good geothermal locations. The ideal molten hotspots in the upper mantle do deliver energy. Iceland has successfully tapped massive geothermal. In California, mudflats with heat from the upper mantle may be a major power source at some point in the future. Canada, too, has some geothermal possibilities. One is the Mount Meager geothermal project near Pemberton in British Columbia. Plans are afoot for this to power a major hydrogen generation project But again, while geothermal has huge potential, it will not help the North. Next in our menu of energy options are those proposed by the oil and gas industry. Here, the industry acknowledges the climate crisis and says the solution is to burn natural gas and capture the CO2. An Edmonton company is investing $1.3 billion in this technology. Critics call it greenwashing. It's a shell game, pun intended. Advocates claim it's carbon neutral, but that's not quite accurate. Gas wells leak methane, which is even worse for climate change than CO2. Efforts to reduce the leaks are like putting a finger in the leak in a dam. In any case, this energy won't help the North. There is one really exciting energy source I'll bet you've never even heard of. Natural hydrogen. White hydrogen. Hydrogen is color-coded depending on how it's made, and this source is so new the name hasn't even been agreed upon. Hydrogen, as it happens, is produced deep in the earth all the time. Iron in the earth's crust, under pressure and heat, simply sucks the oxygen out of water, leaving hydrogen. Some of this is produced in an ongoing way and seeps out constantly. Also, large pools of the gas appear to be trapped underground, just like how natural gas is found. Nobody noticed this hydrogen even existed up to now because it's a colorless, odorless, harmless gas. Unnoticed unless you lit a match, which did happen in Mali. In any case, nobody in the oil and gas industry tested for it very much because it was not what they were looking for. But now scientists are looking. Some experts think there's enough to power the planet for centuries. This could be a game changer. But it'll take a lot of geological research and infrastructure investment before we get there. Very likely, in coming decades, we'll be drilling for this affordable hydrogen. Even sooner, hallelujah, but don't hold your breath. Here's the bottom line. In southern Canada and around the world, solar and wind farms, geothermal, white hydrogen, green technology absolutely makes sense. But none of these work in the far north, away from the grid. Where the sun doesn't shine and the wind is uncertain, none promise reliable, carbon-free energy. All have problems and all leave a footprint. That's the dilemma. Northern energy is a game of elimination. I've gone through the list. No popular green technology will bring cheap, affordable green energy all over the North within a decade. This is the green mirage. It is the renewable illusion. I missed an energy source. Well, yes, but it's heresy to the environmental movement. It's also a cause for hope. You've been listening to Canada Reimagined. My thanks to Tom Platt for the theme music, Tom Evans for my artwork. I'm Patrick Esmond White. Tune in again and spread the word.